everyone's trying to hire people that are leaving jobs are leaving jobs because they don't feel that connection they want to know what the company's vision is where are you going and so immediately when that starts to trickle down and you choose to have those conversations um, that's going to become uh, very impactful especially from an employer retention standpoint as well hello innovators i'm todd wyant and welcome to the bridging the gap podcast presented by applied software you're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Melanie Towey. She's a trusted leader and consulting resource in construction. Mel helps industry professionals grow in themselves and in their careers, as well as strategically helps entrepreneurs and business leaders at a deeper level overcome foundational challenges, hindering them from results. She believes in fixing the root cause at the deepest level, not just treating the symptoms. Welcome to the show, Mel. Thank you for having me, Todd. It's great to be here. Looking forward to this conversation for sure. So I always like to start with getting the, the background on how you got into the construction industry. Sure. Um, a little bit of my, my background, I actually fell into the construction industry um, by accident, of course. I think a lot of us have that story uh, actually, I was set to go into the ad agency um, world and had a job and position lined up and had lunch with somebody in the industry. And it was one of those things that was, this is a five, 10 year down the road, um, kind of a dream job and, and what I loved to focus on. And that lunch turned into my first, um, I will say, step into the industry. I actually started with Cambria Countertops and uh, really kind of got my feet wet there um, from a marketing standpoint, ended up on the construction management uh, side and was building out all of their galleries, which I loved uh, just on the job side and, and being around all the trades and, and kind of managing the operations and design and budget and everything in between, um, which kind of led me continually down that road and ended up in California of all places, um, L.A., and uh, and kept going on the sales side, ended up on the tile and flooring side. So I have a very diverse background. I'm very uh, well-rounded. And again, I just, I fell in love with it and, and never wanted to leave. So when I stepped out on my own, it just felt natural to uh, to gravitate towards the clients and the construction industry and those touching it. Um, it just have a, always will have a place kind of in my heart for it. And again, I think it's a big passion of mine. That's awesome. Uh, love hearing that that background for sure. So want to center our conversation really around how, how to make construction companies the best that they can be. Uh, and let's start by asking or figuring out how does somebody know if they have a grip on their business or is it the other way around and the business has a grip on them? Sure. So uh, when I went out on my own, actually, I'm an EOS implementer. So I, uh, under my own umbrella, um, again, working in the industry, but it's a question I get asked a lot. And from the business leaders um, that I typically work with and hear from, uh, I ask, you know, does the business have a grip on you or do you have a, biz a grip on the business? Um, and I think most people who are honest with themselves, uh, they're either at a point or they've been at a point where the business has a grip on them. And through no fault of their own, uh, what has gotten them to the point in their business isn't propelling them forward anymore. So we kind of typically refer to that as the hitting the ceiling. And 
again, everyone's going to get there. Everyone's going to hit the ceiling in a different way. There's kind of three ways we talk about that is you're going to hit, you're going to hit a ceiling in a block as an organization, as a department, or at an individual level. And so kind of really in those three silos, I have business leaders coming to me and really um, with the challenges that they're presenting, a lot of them are, they lack control in their business. Um, there's not enough profit right? They're kind of sick of the status quo and they're really looking for how do we challenge this and, and get to the other side and to that next place and that quantum growth um, type of leap. And so that's a lot of the conversations that I typically am having with industry leaders. So what are some signs then that you aren't as in control as you might think? Uh, number one is frustration. Uh, I don't care if it's frustration from a people perspective, which is common frustration of, again, um, you know, I use the phrase, you kind of beating your head against the wall. Uh, the same thing's just not working anymore. And I think the frustration points grow and grow and grow. Um, and when you start to sit down and have the conversation um, at a certain point, whether it's internally or with an external third party person like myself, you're going to come to the conclusion really quickly. Um, is your revenue there? Um, you know, are you do you have a growth path? Do you have a strategy? You know, a lot of the time it comes down to do you have a clear picture of where you're going? And a lot of the focus that that I help business leaders and owners see is, is that vision there? Is that accountability there? Um, and what does that business look like? And just really, it's those simple questions that start kind of bringing out the aha moments for a lot of business leaders um, and gets them to understand that, you know, maybe I don't have as much of a grip on my business as I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, so you brought up the entrepreneurial operating system. What is EOS? Yeah, EOS. So for those not familiar with EOS, it's actually, um, it, the book Traction by Gina Wickman, uh, EOS is kind of, we walk through EOS in that book. Gina Wickman is a lifelong entrepreneur. Uh, he started EOS um, back in 2008 and it's not, an, it's not a computer system. Most people hear operating system. Um, we, I like to refer to it as a human operating system, right? And uh, I know that, you know, Todd, you've read the book and, and I, I can't wait to kind of dive in and get your, um, get your kind of opinion uh, from your seat. But really most people read the book and, and they go through and they go, this is simple. What am I missing? You know, yeah. and we say, yes, it is simple, but simple is not easy. And I think that um, EOS really is about three things. It's about vision which is really getting your organization 100% aligned with the people on the same page, right? We say, you know, how many of your departments are rowing in the same direction? It's really hard to go to a common goal um, if someone's rowing left and someone's rowing right. And so it's really collaborating to get yourself on the same trajectory of really working backwards from that 10-year plan down to the ground, um, which really brings us to that traction, which we refer to as accountability and discipline. Um, one of the biggest misses in organizations today um, I, I don't care what industry, but construction, we see it is you can have a great vision, but if you're not executing and there's no accountability, um, you know, you're not going anywhere. And so it's really helping instill that um, and looking at some of the components that are help going to get there. And third, it's healthy. It's what is your culture? We live in a world right now, culture is so crucial. Um, it's what's the health of your leadership team? What's the health of your culture? Um, who are your people? What do you want your organization uh, to look like? And really that in turn leads us into what do you want your life to look like, right? So this is not just about professional um, and what your business is. This is about, you started a business for a reason and getting back to that why and, and the purpose of that and, and letting yourself follow other passions and hobbies, and in turn, kind of getting your employees on that same page. And so it's that entire system um, that we actually help businesses implement. Uh, so I act as that coach. 
that facilitator. Um, I'm not an advisor. I don't go tell people what to do. Um, it's really just giving them these simple fundamental tools to really get strong um, at six components of your business. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I agree that reading through it, you're like, this is, this is very common sense. This is, you know, <laughs> this all makes total sense. <laughs> but the the trick and the the hard part is, is taking the time to sit with kind of white space and really think through all that and, and have really solid thoughts and opinions and, and getting buy-in on the different areas and taking that time up front instead of just sure. letting it happen and being reactive. No, absolutely. And I think that's really crucial. I think that, you know, everyone needs a starting place. And I think that what EOS does is it, it, it really gives you the whole playbook, right? And, you know, we make the joke that, you know, every business only has, you know, 133,000 issues they give, you know, deal with on a given day. <laughs> um, when you look at the EOS model, we really only focus on six components. And we know that really all of those issues at the end of the day, no matter how many you have, can be um, bucketed in one of those issues or in those components, excuse me. Um, and in looking at that and making sure that all those components are in kind of that strong point, all those issues go away. And so again, it's, it's, we've overcomplicated business so much. Um, and anybody listening to this in construction, they're going, oh my gosh, that's me, right? We've had to make decisions. We've had to make hiring decisions, especially in the past couple of years, the industry that we're in has been very fortunate, right? We've all seen an uptick in business and that's come with some reactive things that have happened. So it's really getting back to how do we look at the business from a vision standpoint, moving into what do our people look like? You know, we talk a lot about the right people, right seats, right? Because you can't execute on a good vision without your people. That's very crucial. Mm -hmm. um, we really move companies from that component into looking at your data component. What's going on? What are the numbers you're focused on? Um, really with those three components, I say every issue in your organization is going to bubble up um, when you're through looking at that vision people data. Um, that's good. We give you two thumbs up for that. It's hard. It's not easy, but you want all these issues. It's going to expose a lot of what's going on. Um, and that leads us into that process, which again, you've overcomplicated. You don't need 797 processes on the table. I promise you, you don't. <laughs> and so it's giving you those tools to strip that back. Um, and then the tools to really work through those issues. And again, all of that, bringing that into how do you take all that and execute? Um, and so it's just, it's laid out so nicely. And for people that don't like overcomplicated, hello, construction industry. Um, I love working with them because they're, you know, we're simple, right? We want the quick fix, but we, we're not afraid of hard work. Um, this is a system that I fell in love with because of that. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah. So is there an order that you should focus on those six components? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, one of the things that really sets EOS apart, and as you uh, you read the book or you go do the research, is um, a lot of people would assume that you start with your vision of your organization, right? And actually, when people come to me and they hire me as their implementer, um, we actually start with 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 the accountability portion of the business. And the reason that we do this is because without the accountability from a structure standpoint of your organization, as well as a um, looking at roles and functions. How are we assigning any part of the vision, right? We've all sat in the meeting where the CEO, I'm going to pick on you just because you're easy to, um, says, hey, you know, we're setting sales goals and they throw a $50 million number out there and they assign it to somebody in the room who had no say, right? Well, it's different now if you put somebody in a room that knows they own that number, they're not going to they're not going to let that number fly, right? If their mm -hmm. name's on that, there's going to be a little bit of, of a different dialogue. And so the EOS process is really broken down to really build on those foundational components of the accountability, moving into that vision component um, and really start planning what that looks like for your organization. Mm -hmm. uh, it's laid out in a way that it's time space. So you're not sitting your leadership team down saying read traction and we're going to do this tomorrow. Um, most companies, um, I'll, I'll be very transparent. It's a year to two year process to really implement this right because you are working through all the layers of your business. Um, we want to give you time to, to go in and implement these tools with your leadership team before you bring them down to your team um, and be able to execute appropriately as you move forward. Yeah, I, I totally buy the, the year or two timeline for sure, because you're not only impacting and thinking about all those stuff, but you're really kind of changing the, the cultural aspect and then the mindset of uh, the, how the, the teams are functioning and, and working. If it's really done right, I think that you're, it's a total mindset overhaul, hopefully not as, as big uh, for most companies, but it's pretty radical. Yeah, a little bit different from a, a size 10 company to 250. I'll tell you that plays right. out a little bit different. But I also, I think too, you know, sitting down with a lot of the leadership teams, um, this doesn't get rolled out to the organization. This is not a flavor of the day. Everyone read a book and, and this is the this is what we're doing next, right? We've all sat in the seat where management's come and we've done the eye roll of here we go again. Um, this is the next thing. EOS was designed to be um, implemented with, with the executive team first. Um, they need to buy into this. They need to learn it before it's facilitated. And then we make the joke, guess what? You have to go share it with your team. Not mm -hmm. once, not twice, but usually 10 times. They don't hear you. They don't buy into it. When they see you doing this um, and seeing it work, you know, one of the biggest feedbacks I get from mid-level management teams when they're implementing EOS in the industry is it's actually simplified their roles. Because remember, going back to the accountability, we're looking at function. We're looking at seats. We're looking at what every employee is doing. And we're facilitating um, the, the right structure for that employee. We're actually looking at that employee's personality, how they fit your culture um, with all of these tools. And so in turn, when this comes down from the ranks, right, um, there's a lot of buy-in there if, if they know that you believe in it. And so it's this unforced, hey, you're going to do this and we're going to change this whole, whole thing. It's it's a slow progression to, again, implement these tools into an organization that's going to better every employee um, from a culture standpoint and a role standpoint. Mm -hmm. Are there certain personas that are really helpful to have as part of the leadership team 
in rolling this out? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, I, my favorite call I get is Mel, we have a massive sales problem. Um, and if they, if you think that's your problem, I cannot help you. And I will not help you. <laughs> not because you don't have one, but if you're not willing to have the conversation of the leadership level of, you know, that is a presenting symptom of something that's going on um, at a core level in the organization. And you got to peel back the layers to that. So, you know, the leaders and, and teams that I work with, they are that strategic team that's not afraid of the hard conversation. Again, they they don't like the status quo. They're they're sick of sitting in that seat going, okay, I'm going to keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results, right? That's insanity. And so I look for that. Um, there is a, I'll call it a vetting process. I don't, I don't like calling it an interview process. Um, but before I do work with clients uh, to implement, you know, there is, you know, we do a two hour session where I have the entire leadership, whoever you deem your leadership team, um, I sit with them first. And, and I look for a couple of things, right? Um, if there's a couple of people at the table rolling their eyes because um, the owner wants to, it's not going to work, right? So you've got to have a leadership team that is cohesive enough already to understand there's dysfunction because there is. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. There's still going to be conflict. Um, but knowing that, you know, it's going to take a different level of commitment to move the business forward. And if you're willing to do that and raise your hand to do the hard work um, and stay disciplined, and stay accountable. Um, that's my job is to help hold the accountability, right? Is to to come in and, and make sure that you're going to move forward. It'll work. Um, those are the teams that that you talk to that are having massive success with this across the board. Interesting. So what are some tips then to really clearly communicate your vision to a diverse audience? Like how do you kind of coach others to, to garner that, that buy-in to get people excited about it on the front side. Sure. Are you talking just internally? How do you coach the leadership team to get the buy-in from their team? Or how do you get the buy-in from the leadership team from a client standpoint? <laughs> Maybe all the above, but uh, I was thinking internally on if let's say that the CEO is is wanting to, to get on this, but, and, and some, most of the team is, is bought in, but there's that, that one or two uh, leaders that are sitting there rolling their eyes. How do you go about coaching to get those people at least open-minded to sure. going through this process? Um, and it's happened a few times. Um, well, one of two things happened. They're just not ready and, and they need to go have their own kind of sorts of conversations um, and really understand, you know, some CEOs um, ownership level, they, they grab onto that a little bit more, right. To have those conversations. Other times, you know, I do some individual coaching too on the executive side. And so um, I've gotten brought into, you know, can we have some conversations on what's really blocking, uh, you know, in your way kind of thing. So mm. that happens where then can we get that person on board um, or the other is we move forward and uh, the exposure comes and, you know, I've seen it where somebody on the leadership team, doesn't make it, you know, there are, there are stories that have happened, right. That, you know, you got somebody leaning on your executive team, EOS is going to call it out. Um, it is meant to bring every issue. I mean, every issue to the surface. And so for an organization that quite frankly may not have been exposed, and I don't mean exposed in a negative way, but just when you're looking at everything from a purity standpoint of your organization and everything is so crystal clear now in front of you, 
it's going to point back to some people. It's going to point back to some departments, right? And it doesn't mean that you're getting fired on the spot, but it does mean that there's going to be an extra level of accountability. And quite frankly, there's some people that have been in positions that just aren't comfortable with that, right? So at that point, when that is exposed, decisions have to be made. And and again, that's part of the process. And so it doesn't mean they, they don't go through it. Um, again, this is this is not meant to be an easy exercise uh, for for leadership teams. And um, at the end of the day, working through those hard conversations and with with some of the leadership teams that may not be on board, um, you know, it creates a healthy, cohesive relationship because either they're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to realize really quickly that they're not meant for your culture or your organization. Mm-hmm. So let's go down the, the line a bit more on that. Let's say, you know, the leadership team. It's all cohesive now. They're bought in. They like the vision. How do you then roll that out to the the rest of the company to get the majority of the company also bought in and excited and pulling in that direction? Sure. Um, So a couple of different ways that happens depending on your size. And again, this is up to every organization and how they do that. Um, When I'm kind of through implementing the foundational tools, I moved to quarterly and annually pulsing, I'll call it with the team, um, which is just, you know, how do we set those goals? How are we checking back every 90 days? In that check back, um, those conversations start to happen. Some leadership teams choose to have that meeting with their entire organization once a quarter. Um, Some have it annually. However, they're doing other things, touch points along the way. If they have a larger mid-level management team, that becomes the next crucial line of how do we roll this out and how do we make sure that we're setting the right expectation? At the end of the day, it's leading by example. There's no quick fix or a book that I can give a team to say, how do you get this person to buy in? Everybody who's listening to this, who owns a company, who's a leader, who's in management knows the fastest way to get buy-in is to show and do yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of cramming a bunch of scripts at people, you have to tell the story. You have to let them understand that there is a vision, but people want to be part of that process. People want to be part of your culture. People want to know that their job makes a difference, right? Um, We look at in a market today where you can go and get a job anywhere, right? Everyone's trying to hire, but people that are leaving jobs are leaving jobs because they don't feel that connection. They want to know what the company's vision is. Where are you going? And so immediately when that starts to trickle down and you choose to have those conversations, however you choose to illustrate that and then follow it up by that example, um, that's going to become very impactful, especially from an employer retention standpoint as well. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Mm -hmm. Nice. So I read in the book that the traction component is is typically most organizations weakest link, which I I thought was interesting. Why do you think that that component becomes the the weak link so often? 
Well, for my, from my own experience and my own opinion, I think that, and it is, it is across the board. I will tell you um, the organizational checkup, which you read in the book, you can go online. It's free. You can take it. It will tell you where you stand in every component next to the people component is arguably um, where people are falling short. And I think, look, uh, even if you're not an idea person, I think it's always easier to come up with the ideas to talk about the vision. But when push comes to shove, if you don't have a plan in place or have especially a strong person driving that plan and holding people accountable, it's not going to get done. And so what happens is people have these aha moments of, Mel, we have this great vision, like we, we've hired these strategic planners. And at the end of the day, they're not moving the needle is because that portion of really how do you keep your pulse on it has fallen short. Because again, they think, and I speak for myself, I've, I've, in, my, in my own seats, when I've managed people, right, or in, on the leadership side is you assume that people are going to do a job based on what you just threw on the table, that this is where we're going, right? And that simply is not true. And so you almost have to take an approach, again, that simple, simplified approach of how do you get people to buy in based on how are they impacting that long-term goal? And that means assigning people goals all the way down. It's not just the leadership team. Every single person needs to own a number in your organization. If they don't own a number, you're not going to build to that that momentum, right? And so I think it's the most challenging part of, or you have the leadership team that two people want to try to take this all on. It's not going to work, right? Um, and the bigger you get, that's that's a place where people do hit the ceiling. They tend to hit that ceiling of why isn't it working? Well, you used to have three people, and you maybe could wear seventeen hats. It's just not working right now. And so, how do you lay that whole plan and then remap it with everybody in the organization? And then, what are you doing to hold your team accountable? And who's holding you accountable, right? And who's holding ownership accountable? And that's where my job gets fun because I get to come in and help do that too on the ownership side, right? Um, but it's really instilling those those disciplines. And that's just something that often is overlooked and, and not an easy thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going back to the kind of the why for each individual, I'm a big believer in that. I think people can fall into the trap of they develop their why behind whatever the vision is or whatever they're trying to get people bought in on. And they just use that same why statement to every single person that they talk to instead of figuring out this is the the core of the why doesn't necessarily change, but how I'm going to talk about it and how I'm going to communicate that and the examples that I'm going to use to people, I have to make relevant to whoever I'm talking to or else they don't really care. They could be like, I see why it's the why and it's you know relevant for the CEO, but I'm not the CEO. So why do I care? Sure. Uh, I think you got to be able to, to tailor that message to the audience Absolutely. that you're talking to. You do. And I think the people, the people component is really eye-opening. Um, I wish the people analyzer, I wish I had it in my management um, years. It was a game changer uh, for me to come into that and look at it because no, you're not just giving someone a plus or minus check mark next to how they're doing their job. It's you're looking for these people that, that match your culture, what you just laid out, what is your vision for your organization? And then you're actually looking at people's ability to get their job, to understand it, to actually want it. Um, I don't know how many times I've heard the story is a manager goes, well, we promoted them. And the question is why? Well, that was their next step and we needed someone in position. If you go back to the employee, they never wanted the job. They don't want that. They just, it's the next step they were told, right? And so when you really start having those conversations, employees start to recognize really quickly that 
this is about them because they know that they're they're a crucial piece of the puzzle and they've seen that laid out and someone's going to sit and take time they're not going to feel like they're under someone's thumb they're going to feel like they're cared about because you want them in your culture you want them as part of the growth right and so to your point that becomes a really crucial part of when you're having the conversation is when you're when you're managing 10 people you and I both know you don't talk to them the same way anyways, right? It doesn't work. you got to be able to flex in your communication. Right. And so these are just extra tools when you get to that point that really helps you have those conversations to put the employees at the center of it. Yeah, absolutely. So that accountability piece you brought up a couple of times being a, a key component and ingredient. What does that really look like in reality? How do you, on a day-to-day -day basis, bring out the accountability? Well, I think US, you know, we take a standpoint when we're rolling out the tools is, again, it starts with the top. So really on the leadership level is understanding and working backwards for that 10-year plan. Um, when I do sit down with leadership teams, you know, we move backwards from 10-year how do you move that 10 year into a three year? How do you move that to a one year? And how do you move that one year to a 90? And then vice versa, can your 90 day goals to 10 years, do they all add up to paint the same picture? And I think when you start chunking it down like that, and then understanding that we're not waiting until your annual at the end of the year, you're not waiting until right before the holidays to get in a room and discuss what went wrong. There is pulse checkpoints every 90 days with your leadership team to reset those goals, to go through your to-dos, to understand what was missed, what was accomplished, what was done well, so you're not spacing that out and then going, well, what happened? We just lost another year. In that same tune, you're having meetings, which is another tool um, we talk about, you know, having that the L10 meeting, we call it, which is another game changer of how do you run a meeting? Simple, right? But Everyone on hey, this there's so many bad meetings. That <laughs> I'm sorry, there. we could do away with 90% of the meetings. And so it's getting this structure of your leadership meets once a week, same time, same place, same agenda, same people, no one's late, no one thinks they're good enough to get up and leave early, right? All the things that we experience, there's no ego. We're not talking in circles. We're actually coaching that structure. So when that happens, and then again, you go and implement that every team is in that same process of what are their 90 day goals? How are their meetings being run where they're discussing? And again, when you start looking at every level of the organization, when they're on that same page and everyone's talking about it, you're not missing things because it just won't happen. When you're talking about issues every week, you're not waiting until your quarterlies, you're having those conversations. And then when you get to those 90 day checkpoints, you're really reevaluating and going, okay, where are we going? How do we really need to readjust and moving on from there? So again, I just think it's breaking that down, which makes that accountability way more digestible. Um, another thing that you know I talk about often is when you're goal setting, and, and this is part of the tools we help implement, I'll sit down with leadership teams and, and I'll say there's only seven spots to put goals. And I'll get somebody that's got 17 lines on the side of their paper that are writing. And it's like, please don't set 17 goals. You will not hit any of them. I would rather you set three, right? Set three and hit them. And so again, I think it's less is more. And that is the entire philosophy of this is less is more creates accountability. And if you can, if you continue to chip away at what you've set in front of you, you will continue to propel yourself forward. But if you continue to set these lofty, I have 25 goals and we're going to talk about it once a year, I know why you're frustrated. And so do you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I, one of the things I, I preach internally a lot is we can't have, you know, 10, 15, number one 
priorities because then we don't have a single priority because there's no way we can focus on 10 or 15 yeah. most important hair on fire things at, at one time. It's just, it's not possible. Nope, <laughs> so like, nope. what, are your, what are your three things you want me to focus on? That's what we're going to really beef out and we can fill out the rest. Uh, and that leads me to think of one of the examples that was in the book. And it's uh, one of my favorite illustrations uh, just in general. I've heard it before and I love it is the, the vase with the rocks and, and put your big rocks in first and then start putting in the smaller rocks and you can fill in the, the rest yeah. of the, the vase there. How do you identify what your big rocks should be in order to put those in first? Sure. So this goes back to remember big picture, high level. So you're starting when, when we do start with this, we're not actually starting with the rocks. We're starting with the bigger picture. So as we're working backwards of what does the organization need to look like in 10 years? What does it need to look like in three? What does it need to look like in one? We're going to get to what we call rocks, right? Those are all decided based on the pictures that we've painted for. We know what we need to get done to hit the one-year metrics. We know to hit the one-year metrics, we need to do X, Y, and Z to hit three, right? So it's, it's again, getting to that, getting to that structure of just breaking it down. I love using that. I mean, it's talked about often because you really look at it. That's your day, right? Your rocks are your important. If you don't, if you think of it in this way, and we call it rocks Some people think it's silly. It's another word for goals for people that are going, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it's just another way for saying, what is my big goal? If I don't get this done and I get back to this next meeting 90 days from now, is it going to hinder the business? Now I'm going to ask you out there for those of you listening, going, what's more important, the big rock that's going to move the needle in 90 days or the guy standing in your office that's coming in to chit chat about something that needs help um really doesn't need help it's trying to push something off on your but you pick it up and run with it right um that's kind of what we refer to as the sand in in the jar when we do the depiction of if you put sand in first and then you put the pebbles there's no room for the rock you need to put the rock in first then put the pebbles in and then dump the sand in and it falls in so there's still time for that at the end of the day but really when you start prioritizing on the size of that and really in order to do that you have to have a plan you have mm. to have a vision so i can't wake up today and just say well here are my three rocks if i don't know where i'm going because i don't know what those goals are trying to propel me to do so really just getting clear on that alone is going to help people in their day-to-day -day when they start looking at what is my priority, you know, priority for today? Um, what am I going to get distracted by? Talk about meetings, right? Am I going to really let myself get sucked into three meetings I don't need to be a part of? Maybe today you will, but if you have a plan, isn't it easier to go back to someone to say, hey, is this really needed to get us to the next 90 days? Because I thought we talked about this. That's a powerful conversation for anybody on your team to be able to go and say, not just to say, I don't have time for this meeting, right? No one wants to hear that. But when you actually have some tangibles and how you're moving forward, every business owner is going to go, I want an employee that can do that because they're backing my vision. They understand it. They want to be part of the team and they want to help us move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. So if you could snap your fingers, innovate one thing in the industry, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Snap my fingers and innovate one thing in the industry. That's a really hard question. Um, I think there's a look, I mean, our industry is already really innovative. I think that, um, you know, what I would love to see is to people grab hold of that and probably believe in, in, in their own innovation and their own abilities more than they do. Um, I think that's a commonality that I see of 
Um, you know, we've got some of the smartest, most intelligent people at every level in the industry that have big ideas, um, that want to do things differently, that want to change the landscape we have. Uh, but I think to see them just grab hold of that and trust in themselves to do that, I think we'd see the industry um, completely take off in an even more um, insane direction. I just think that, you know, yeah, construction's construction, but we're still one of the most creative industries out there. And I think that there's just still so much left for us to do. Yeah, I love that answer. Uh, I get really frustrated when people say that construction is not innovative or creative because like, you don't even know what you're talking about because nope. <laughs> the most creative problem solvers, bar none in any industry, are here in construction. That's what they do every single day is, is solve really yep. crazy complex problems and they figure it out and the building gets built and they are doing these amazing things. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so how do people find out more information and connect with you? Yeah. So the easiest way is to go on my website, um, which I don't know if you can see, I'm covering it up, but if you're listening, it's uh, www.bymelanieann.com. Um, that has all my information. You can book a, you can book a free uh, session on there. There's a lot of different resources. I would encourage you to go take the organizational um, uh, checkup, which is on my website as well. It's just going to give you a lot of impactful information. Look, I'm all about helping. So even if you're not ready to implement, read the book traction, pull a couple of tools out. Um, I do love supporting, even if I can help you get going with your L10 meetings, um, you know, using the people analyzer, any of the tools, I'm here to help. Um, again, I, uh, I love supporting the industry and seeing people succeed and, uh, and just enjoy the conversations, if nothing else, of just learning about what everybody does. Awesome. And we can link over to the, the website in the show notes for sure, too. Uh, so final question for you. What does innovation mean to you? Man, you come out that I didn't even get <laughs> prepped for that. <laughs> what does innovation mean to me? I think, again, I think it goes back to my other answer. I think it's trusting um, yourself enough to to challenge the status quo and, and to put your idea forth, right? Innovation is all about trusting um, your instincts and, and being intuitive and letting yourself think outside the box. And um, unfortunately, you know, we live in a society sometimes it's really easy to to press us under a thumb to say, you know what, if you don't conform or if you think differently than everybody else. So I really think innovation comes down to the individual um, and how you take that out to collaborate with other people. Great answer. Nice job. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mel, for taking the time and joining the show. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate it, Todd. Thank you so much. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. I talk a lot about taking the time to think through your thoughts. It's so important to allow yourself some white space time to proactively assess where you are and where you need to go. Second take, Mel said, less is more with accountability. You cannot have 20 top priorities and effectively execute on them all. It's impossible. Identify what your top three are and then develop an accountability component to your goals in order to provide the best chance of success. And finally, when you are organizing your workflows, time, priorities, and anything else, start with the big rocks that are must-dos. After you've put those in your vase, you can add in the smaller rocks. Finally, you'll be able to fill in the rest of the vase with everything else that needs to be done. When you organize in this way, 
you assure the main essentials are completed first. You will be amazed at how much more you will be able to accomplish as well. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.